believe what I just saw. I don't believe what I just saw. Welcome to the Red Half of Sheffield, a Sheffield United podcast by two Yank Blades fans. My name is Noah Snyder, and I am joined, as always, by Chad Jarvis. How are you today, Chad? It kind of feels like 1973 to me. I wasn't <laughs> born in 1973 or around in 1973, but it has a strange feeling of 1973 to me. Well, I can tell you, I have been in meetings since around 6.45 this morning, Pacific Standard Time, and I've just been so excited, still absolutely buzzing, because Sheffield United beat Manchester United 2-1 yesterday at Old Trafford, and boy, that was something, wasn't it, Chad? That was a result. I I mean, clearly by our picks, we had we were nowhere even close to the result. I mean, God, I did not see that coming. When the first goal goes in, okay, I was a little bit nervous. And then you start counting minutes, and then the, they equalize. And then the second goal for us goes in, and you're like, we got a chance. And then you start counting minutes, and then it seems like you, you listen to the – because I had to listen on on radio, and so they weren't giving – I didn't know exactly what exact minute it was in. So I, every, like, 10 minutes they'd say, well, there's 20 minutes to go, there's 15 minutes to go, and then it'd be like five it, – it only elapsed like five minutes, but it felt like it was like a half hour. You're like, this game's almost got to be over. And it, it felt like the clock kept going in reverse, and it's like it's this is taking forever to get over. It always seems that way when we have the lead, doesn't it? And you just have that sinking feeling when we're ahead that we're going to concede. But we did not after that second goal and, in fact, played arguably some of the best defense we've played all season. And with that back line, as you kind of alluded to, who would have thought Phil Jagielka, age 38, putting in the absolute shift of his life? You know, never mind the one goal that he was supposed to cover Harry Maguire on. We'll, we'll give that a pass. Every other part of the game was fantastic, not just from him, but from Ampadu and from, of course, Mr. Reliable, Chris Basham. Boy, what a result. I'm still just so absolutely buzzing today. And I guess, you know, a preview for this weekend. Chad, I mean, do you think there's any chance that we can take this momentum into the Etihad? I mean, we're going to give a hell of a try. I mean, I I had a buddy text me today and say, hey, you got City on Saturday. Any chance you can beat him? I said, well, hell, I gave us no chance in hell to beat Man United. (laughs) We shocked the world. And who's to say we don't go in there and beat them two to one or we get one nil (laughs) shutout? I mean, there's a world of possibilities out there. Right. It's almost impossible to predict our form right now, really. Yesterday was just unreal, but my hope is obviously that we can continue it moving forward. We've got an important 10 games from here on out. And I mean, you know, you look at the table, you look at the fixtures approaching, and you think to yourself, how many of these games do we need to win to drag ourselves out from the bottom and really into the thick of the relegation battle as opposed to just being out and out bottom of the table. You got to look too. 
how important is that two points lost against Brighton? If we if we win that game, we're on what eight points right now. We're on the same as West Brom or ahead of them. We are right there, right there on their heels because we play everybody within the relegation zone now. Is they're all left on our on our schedule for the rest of the season. So who's to say if we don't beat everybody that's in and around us, we might claw ourselves out of this hole, man. It is the greatest escape, as we've called it several times, and a lot of folks have been calling it. Could be coming. Who knows? We still, as Sheffield United fans, always have that creeping pessimism in the back of our head. But as we've said before, hope glimmers eternal that we might be able to pull off the greatest escape of all time. So let's get into this one, into actually the nitty gritty of this one. You know, in the first 10 minutes, it was really just a feeling out process with Manchester United. Obviously, Manchester United had the majority of possession and the stats are completely reflective of that. The number of passes they completed, their pass percentage, all favored Man United. In the 11th minute, Marcus Rashford had an amazing chance off a pass from Wambasaka, and Rashford just puts it wide of the net. You know, Ramsdale didn't have it covered, and if that shot had been straight and not curled, it would have certainly been a goal. Oh, yeah, for sure. Ramsdale was clearly beaten on that one. I mean, the, the goal mouth was gaping. It's just one of those, and that was like the first time in this match where I thought, we might have a shot. You know, it's just I look for those little subtle moments in a match like, okay, Marcus Rashford, he's a great England goal scorer in everything. Wide open goal and he pulls it wide. You know, that might have been a little bit of confidence. You know, the boys see him miss that one. He's like, all right, let's go and try and get goal. Absolutely. I will say this. We did give them a lot of room in our end in the first half of the first 45 and a couple of very nervy moments. Our first real chance came at around the 17th minute. Billy Sharp gets a pass, beautiful through ball from David McGoldrick. Unfortunately, Sharp was offside and he shot it right into De Gea anyway. But yeah, he was a couple of steps offside. I'm not sure if VAR would have had a check if he'd ended up putting it in the back of the net, but the offsides going so late into the play, really after the play has been made, you never know. So you always have to try on those regardless. I mean, I think we had one where we expected an offsides, I think during Project Restart last year, where our boys just stopped playing and they scored a goal and it turned out to be onside. So, you know, you don't stop playing until you hear the whistle. That That is the lesson that you take away yeah. from that mistake. So the moment that generated a cavalcade of noise throughout Sheffield came at the 23rd minute when John Fleck put in a corner that is headed by Keen Bryant. It goes off the post into the back of the net. Sheffield United go up 1-0 on the Manx. What a moment for Keen Bryant, who started his career at Man City, came to Sheffield United, had some injuries, but finally got into the first side this year. And this was a performance of a lifetime from Keen Bryan. What were your thoughts after seeing or listening and hearing that goal? It's kind of weird to listen to the games on radio, especially like through Radio Sheffield when they, Andy and the boys, they, they broadcast the game. They do a fantastic job, but it's, 
they're locked in their home studio in in Sheffield. They're not allowed to travel to to Manchester United and to Old Trafford and watch the game. So it was I was lucky enough it was on Talk Sport and they had a little bit of atmosphere in in the background. It sounded like there was actual crowd in there. So it made the game seem more monumental or momentous, I guess is the word I'm looking for. But when that goal went in, I was like hold on a minute. I was like, there's going to be, surely there's going to be a foul. The ref blows a whistle. He's offside, something, handball, some shit. But when they said, it's a goal for Sheffield United's Keen Brian, I'm like, oh my God. And then see, that's one of those slight moments like, okay, we got the first goal. You know, we had Rashford miss wide on the other end. It took a little bit for us to come down to the other end and get a goal. Maybe this is our night. And I was just... I was at work banging on the table and everybody's looking at me. I was like, don't worry about it. It's, it's way more important than anybody knows. But I'm in my zone. Leave me in my zone. And I was thrilled. I was over the moon. Well, we did get the first goal at both Liverpool and Chelsea. So in the back of your mind, you're just like, uh, here we go. They're going to turn on the Jets now. But I do want to address something that you said earlier uh, where you talked about a foul or what have you, there was an argument both during and after the game about a, a possible push by Billy Sharp on David De Gea. And I think objectively you could make an argument, but it was looked at. that There was a, a check done. I don't know if it was mm -hmm. an official VAR check, but there was a little check done. Goal was given. We go on. Up 1-0. Yeah. To, to go on to your point, it was reviewed, I believe, by VAR because all goal scoring or all goals scored are reviewed. So VAR did look at it. Like me and you were talking earlier, if anything, he aided De Gea in coming out to get that ball. It's not like he was pulling him into the goal mouth or trying to push him down. De Gea had every chance he needed to palm that ball, and he just missed it. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement, Chad. I think that's a good bit of analysis there. In the 27th minute, Greenwood puts a shot right onto Ramsdale, who saves it comfortably. Then a couple minutes later, arguably the most controversial moment of this one came at the 30th minute. A corner came in from Manchester United. Ramsdale goes up to grab the ball, is bumped by Harry Maguire. Rashford puts it in, but the whistle had already gone. And there was a quick check, and I'm sure Manchester United supporters were stark raving mad about that one after the fact. Oh, for sure. I mean, it was almost like typical Ramsdale. You know, he comes out, but he knows he's going to get collided with, with Maguire's going to run into him. So he almost kind of goes up and whiffs at the ball because if you slow it down, he, like, makes an absolute mess of that ball in the air when he tries to catch it. And then Maguire hits him and he doesn't have his hands on the ball. Then it falls. They put it in the back of the net. But the one thing that let us off and VAR could not review that one because a lot of United supporters were like, oh, why didn't it go to VAR? I had it. I listened to an explanation of it this morning. The reason why it didn't go to VAR is because the ref blew the whistle for the foul on Maguire. So that nullifies the play. So that ball, when it hits the floor and in who was it? Martial puts it in. It's null and void. They, therefore, VAR cannot review that play. So it's it's just a foul called by the ref. 
Yeah, I'm trying to remember if it, I, if it was Martial or Rashford. I, I can't remember offhand. It was one of them. I mean, yes, tons of controversy. And, of course, Ollie, after the game, he was complaining that that goal should have been, been reviewed. Our goal should have been reviewed. And, you know, I, I just think it's sour grapes from Ollie. Oh, yeah. Sore loser. In my, in my perspective, looking at it, because to me, out of all the managers in the Prem, he is the one that is the most clueless. Because if you ever watch a United game, besides them playing us, the only United in the whole land of England, <laughs> he just sits. He just sits in his in his little chair, and then when a when a goal goes in, he goes, "Oh my God, they scored!" He's like a fan. He doesn't even look like a coach. Like he was, he was hardly on the touchline. If you watch that game back. He sits in his seat the entire time. Wilder's out there yelling, instructing, pointing, screaming, cursing at the ref. I mean, cursing at the camera guy for being in his way at the end of the match because he can't see the throw-in down at our end. I don't know if you caught that, but I did. It was like in the 93rd minute. The camera guy had the camera stepped right in front of him. He's like, what are you doing? Step back. Like the camera, it it went to the live picture of him telling him to get back because he was trying to look around him to see the throw-in go. And I was just like, I hate Ollie, man. He's so he's so immature. He's like a little kid that doesn't get the gift he wants for Christmas, and then he throws a hissy fit. It's a stark contrast between Chris Wilder and Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer as far as what they do during the game. Chris Wilder, he'll stand the entire game very, very animated the whole game, yelling to the boys. And Solskjaer, he just sits for most of the game he'll get up every once in a while to give a shout to his boys but uh yeah definitely a stark contrast between the two yeah chad i i want to just take a brief pause for a moment to talk about how good our back line was at defending in this game i mean absolutely superb going into the game the lineup comes out an hour prior to kickoff, and you look at that lineup and you think, oh boy, here we go. Mm-hmm. We got Bash, Jags, and Ampadu in the back, and you kind of swallow hard, but our back line was efficient, handled the ball well, didn't give it away cheaply, and importantly, backed up the goalkeeper like the Sheffield United of last year. Yeah, it, it, that's what it was. And I believe when... When the lineup come out, I texted you that same phrase, oh boy. When you, But we all knew it was coming. We all knew that Jags had to replace Egan because he was suspended because of yellow card accumulation. But, I mean, it was one of those things that looked like that was an experienced Premier League back line. And we could have probably played two matches. And I don't think that back line has, gives up another goal. I mean, you've got to really give credit because I watched, I picked out Ampadu and watched him. I don't know what switch has been flicked in his head, but he has come out of nowhere and kind of nailed down that back line spot. And it's like, have fun trying to replace me here because this is my spot on the team. And this is going to be, my name is going to go on this spot, in this spot on the team sheet every single week. So I, I bravo to him, man. He has turned. He has turned it on in the last like month. I want to briefly talk about a moment. I'm not, I didn't write it down. I'm not sure exactly when in the match it happened, but he dribbled the ball out from the back all the way to the other end. And it was just by the grace 
of one of Manchester United's back line that he didn't get in and get a shot on net. Uh, yeah. It was cheeky. And then he had to like dash back to defend because of yeah. course they, they turned it back the other way very quickly. So another chance came in from Manchester United in the 41st minute. Martial had a head on a cross that came in. It was well met by Jagielka and uh, Ramsdale got his hands on it. So from there, we go into halftime, 1-0 up. And, you know, you're thinking to yourself, my goodness, another 45 minutes to go? We don't concede. We can get out of this thing with three points. And I mean, at the time, you know, I, in the back of my head, I was still convinced that we were going to concede one. And of course, I was right. But I did not expect what would happen shortly thereafter. So getting back into the game in the 49th minute, Fernandez got the ball to Greenwood, who put it wide in the 51st minute. Wambasaka had a chance that was well met and deflected out in the 56th minute. McGoldrick had a beautiful chance. Uh, And he had he just curled it just over the bar, um, shot it from the right hand side. Really, really good shot. Man, if that had gone in, that would have been an absolute worldie, maybe a candidate for the goal of the season. But yeah, a a good chance nonetheless from from McGoldrick, who, you know, in every game that he plays, just proves himself to be class time and time again. Still at this point, halfway through the season, my player of the season you, you can see him. He likes to do that shot from the outside of his boot and, and try and put it on goal because, I mean, that was the one he scored against Arsenal. And then, again, I can't remember against – he's done it against a couple other teams, where, but they've all gone wide except for the one against Arsenal. And that one against United yesterday, it was like, wow. If that was, if that was struck like a few yards further back, that's probably curling into the back of the net. Absolutely. In the 63rd minute, Manchester United score on a corner taken from Tellez. And uh, it's headed in by who else but Harry Maguire. Good lad. No big celebration for him scoring against his former club. Jagielka just couldn't get to him. But I scarcely think that many defenders would have gotten to that well-placed ball from Tellez. Yeah, it was one of those things. Jags really showed his age right there with his legs trying to defend that corner. And it's almost like, oh, boy, if they if they have too many more corners like that and Harry Maguire comes unmarked. But they did some if you watch the play develop like Maguire starts on a run and Jagielka almost loses him. So he's trailing behind him the entire time. Maguire virtually comes in unmarked and just heads it in. I mean. That's the chances you take with, you know, those design corner placements. They work on that stuff on the training ground. You know it. So it's designed that way. And, you know, they just it come up lucky for them. But one one thing to go back a little bit further in the match or earlier in the match, I hope Keen Bryan's okay. They never said what he what he went off with. Was it fatigue or was it a little niggly injury? They never really said what he got subbed off for again and Bogues came in for him I don't know if you heard anything I mean he goes and gets the goal and then he gets subbed off right shortly after halftime so I I just hope he's okay yeah same you'd hate for him to have that great of a of a game of a half of a game and 
not be able to come back and continue to try to prove himself to make it into that first team on, on a regular basis. He certainly made an argument for himself in the 45 that we saw, but you mostly view him as more of a central defender, but he played wing back in this one. But even so, you think he's more defensively minded. I mean, Wilder put out a very defensively minded squad in this one. And ironically, we equaled our highest goal tally of the season. So yeah. just goes to show you, you never really know. Speaking of goals, in the 73rd minute, the most pivotal of all moments in this one, Norwood places a ball into Balduck, who puts it on frame. It's touched back to the keeper, who gives it away very cheaply back to Lundstrom. It kind of ping-pongs around a little bit. Lundstrom gets the ball back, and after a bad shot, finds Ollie Burke, who takes a shot. It's deflected, hits the crossbar, and goes in. Sheffield United go up 2-1 on Manchester United. Ollie Burke's first Premier League goal ever. How fantastic was that, Chad? Oh, my God. That was like, okay, they had just equalized. And so you feel like, all right, the momentum swings to United. Okay, here they come. You know, big United, top of the table, all this. They're going to surely go go on and get a goal. But when, when they equalized, it almost like it brought out a stronger side from us. And we, like, grew into the game. It's like when they got that goal, it was like, okay, guys, let's go ahead and let's go win this game. And then – Whatever Manchester United were doing in the back there, like passing it in to everybody to get a touch. And then we end up with it. Burke slots at home. Yeah, it took a deflection. But, I mean, that if Twins AB's not there, I'm, there's no way De Gea is saving that. And I almost jumped through the roof at work. I was so excited. I slammed my fist. I was like, oh, that hurt. But we're 2-1 up. I was <laughs> admittedly on a call at that moment and watching with the sound off, but I threw my fists in the air, didn't really make a sound. But after the game at full time, I was yelling my freaking head off. I was singing to no one but myself. And uh, oh my goodness, what a feeling, what a feeling indeed. Let's quickly just run through the rest of the game here. 76th minute, Tellez took a shot from 25 yards out. It was deflected over the crossbar. On the ensuing corner, Pogba got ahead to it, but it was curled out. In the 82nd minute, Cavani had a good chance, but went over the bar. 86th minute, Burke looked like he might be in again. He got a good through ball, but Matic toe-poked it away. Mm -hmm. And then in the 93rd minute, at the death, a ball came in from Rashford, but it was headed out, and we got on the ball, cleared it out, full-time whistle is called. Sheffield United get the most important three points of the season to this point, and my goodness, what a game, Chad. What a game indeed. I am, as I've said, still absolutely buzzing from that one. This is going to go down. Regardless of how the rest of the season goes, this game is going to go down as a legendary game in Sheffield United history, in Sheffield United lore. People are going to be saying, where were you? Most people will be saying, hey, I was at home because everybody's pretty much at home right now and the pubs aren't open. But I, I just can't say enough about how we performed under adversity against the second best team in the league 
my goodness. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was one of those things you kind of like take a step back and like, is is this real life? Like this team that has, we came into the, the game on five points. Everybody had written us off, given us absolutely no hope. I listened to the pre-match buildup on Talk Sport. Manchester United hands down going away. They gave odds of uh, what it was to for us to win, and it was I think it was fifteen hundred to one. And I was like, holy shit, you'd make an ass load off of this bet. I think it was and, nine. It was nine to one odds. I don't remember what the plus what the plus was on it, but I think it was nine to one odds on us. Pretty today. long odds. Yeah, pretty long odds, and it was almost bang on for for United. And it so like as it set in, and I'm yelling at my, in my house, and I feel like I need to smoke an entire carton of cigarettes after watching the last ten minutes of the game. It's just one of those surreal moments, and I'll always remember where I was when this twenty years down the road when they bring up history of Sheffield United, and it's like, where were you when they beat Manchester United? You can almost exhale, and it's like one of those things where we could lose every game the rest of the year, and this will still be the shock result of the season. You thought Burnley beating Liverpool was big a couple of weeks ago? This by far blew that out of the water. I'm 100% with you there, Chad. Agree wholeheartedly. So who do you have as your man of the match? I think I know who you're going to say. Because it's mine as well, but go ahead. It's it's pretty it's pretty easy to say who the man of the match is. It's got to be Jags, but this I want to change it up a little bit, and I want to give men of the match, and I want to give it to everybody that made an appearance on the pitch yesterday for Sheffield United. That is the most solid we had looked as a team from front to back this entire year, hands down. I don't care about the cups. I don't care about the Newcastle game. We went after it in this game and i want to give a shout out to everybody that played and the guy that's standing down the touchline ushering them on left and right yelling screaming jumping for joy when we when the goals go in making changes he did everything to a t so wilder and the boys you get my men of the match that's a great, great take, Chad. I'm going to agree with you wholeheartedly. Gun to my head, picking one person. Got to give it to Jags. He had the game of his life. I said this earlier. I was on Premier League Fan Zone, and I said he turned back the clock 10 years in this one. I mean, he looked like the Jags of old, the Jags that captained this team back in the day. And, God, I was so impressed with him. And, you know, you just hope that he makes it into the first team again at some point. You know, you hope it's not due to injury or COVID or what have you. But, I mean, give him a run again, I I say. Let's wait another couple months and then let him get fully healthy again. And yeah. We'll slot him in. We'll slot him in again <laughs> against somebody. Hell, we got to have, like, Brighton. Let's slot him in against Brighton or something. Or, hell, when do we play Liverpool? Let's slot him in against Liverpool. Let's slot him in against City. Put him in out against City on Saturday. So, speaking of City, we have another very, very important fixture this Saturday. It is a 3 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time start at the Etihad. And 
top of the table, Manchester City. Can we shock the world twice? This is a team, granted, that absolutely smashed West Brom 5-0. And, I mean, you look at that, that front line and look, I think they're pretty much equal as far as the front line for both City and United. But, you know, Mm -hmm. look, you got Sterling, Mares, and Foden, um, who's been on form lately. Silva, Hernandez, Cancelo, Diaz. I mean, it is a squad full of superstars, and it is going to be a tough draw for us, to be sure. You hope maybe we can nick a point out out of a game like this, but... It's going to be a ju- just as difficult. We're going to have to play just as well, if not better, against this Manchester City side. Are, do they have any injuries right now? I, ha- I haven't checked the latest injury report. The biggest one that, that's going to be missing is Kunaguero because he has COVID. So he's in the, I don't know, what is it, the 14-day quarantine period. So he's the biggest. I mean, other than that, I mean, they've virtually got two squads of world-class players, but it, it, De Bruyne, think I don't, I, I hate that it's injury, but at least he's not in the game, so he cannot influence the game as much as he, as Man City would like to have him to influence the game. So those are their two big guns that are out. So I'm okay with that. Okay, uh, but you we still have to deal with Riyad Mahrez. We still have to deal with Raheem Sterling, Phil Foden, like you said. I mean, John Stone's in the back. He's come into form. Their back line has finally got sorted out. You know, their midfield is great, even without De Bruyne in there. So, I mean, it's it's a tall task. It is. It it's no easy task. But we thought we were going to get steamrolled by United, and look at what happened. Absolutely, Chad. Who do you have starting for Sheffield United come Saturday? Well, I'm not going to take him out of the lineup like I did in our preview for Manchester United. Ramsdale will be in goal. I'm pretty sure that that is for sure. Then I'm sticking with Ambadu. Egan will slot back in for Jags. He'll come out, bash him across the back. Depending on what Keen Bryan, if he has an injury or not, but Bose can slot in there, so I'm comfortable with – well, see, Keen Bryan played on that side with Enda, and then Bose came in and played on that side. That was interesting. So, I, I Because uh, Bogle, I think, is right foot dominated, it was interesting to see him slot into the left-hand side. I, I suppose it was because we didn't really have anyone else to put there Yeah. in this one because I think so I, Stevens is still out. And I'm not sure what's going on with with Max Lowe, but yeah, very interesting to see Jaden Bogle on the left-hand side because we know that Chris Wilder typically likes to match the side to the foot, correct? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so who's to say Bogues gets in on that left-hand side and then as much as I hate to say, and we slagged him off, Ali Norwood played pretty good against Manchester United. Other than that, I'm probably I'm probably taking McGoldrick out, and obviously the captain's coming out. I'm probably going Brewster and Burke up front in this game because with their pace, with them being younger in pace, and we're going to be set back defending the whole time. If we can get a counter out to 
to one of those two players up there, they're quick. Maybe they can break around City's back line and get in for a goal chance. I think that's a pretty solid front pairing right there. The only argument that I'm going to make is McGoldrick has been such a good playmaker throughout this year that you really would like to have him starting in this one. Yeah, I, I could easily see McGoldrick and Burke starting up top and with maybe Brewster coming in at either the half or in the 60th minute somewhere around there for Burke. Probably not for McGoldrick. I think McGoldrick plays the whole game. Like you said, he's been a playmaker. He's been influential this whole year. So I could see that happening where he plays the entire game. It's just we've got lurking past City. The game next week is even bigger. If we take this loss on Saturday against City, I think we got WBA coming up right after that. Yep. So we have West Brom right after that. So that is a massive game. So I don't know if Wilder chops and changes a little bit to get the boys rested for what is going to be a freaking huge match against West six Brom. Point, six point yeah, game. That's a six pointer. That's more important in my eyes than this city game. I mean, all these games are important, but you got to take your lumps at some point. So as long as we don't get hammered like 5-0 like West Brom did a couple games ago, I'll be fine with that. Definitely agree with you on that, Chad. What's your score prediction for this one? I'm going City 1-0, and I have a feeling their striker, Jesus, he hasn't really been on much form. Most of their goals have come from their wing wide players in their midfield. So without the Bruyne, I kind of, you know, they're going to get their goal. I don't know. It's just a matter of can we get something on, like I said earlier, a counter or maybe a corner goes in and somebody goes up, go heads it in. That's the only way I see a scoring, but I've got City winning 1-0. Yeah, you think uh, Jesus, Jesus starts in this one? Yeah, I think they're going to put him up front because I I think Pep is going to want to win this game because recent results with the competitors or the teams in and around him, he's going to want to take us and not necessarily put us to the sword, but just I think he's going to try and want to win emphatic, but we're going to be defensively sound enough to where we'll only give up one goal because our goal differential isn't – I mean, it's minus 21, but West Brom's like minus 35 or something like that. I mean, they're terrible. I'm right with you there, Chad. I think that probably the result will either be 1-0 or 2-0 to Man City. I mean, who knows? Maybe we get a cheeky goal on a counter. Maybe it finishes 2-1. Well, I mean, look, we said it last time. We had Manchester United as a bang-on loss. So who knows? Maybe maybe we're uh, doing the old curse on Man City by saying they're going to beat us on on Saturday. Let's do the double over man, the Manchester clubs. How, how crazy would that be? Does that make Manchester red and white then if we do the double, not red? Cause obviously United is red. So it would be red and white. Something like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell, I'll tell you. Um, I don't think in our history, have we ever done a Manchester double? I don't believe I don't believe unless it's unless it's prior to 1973. I mean, it, it might have happened way, 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 way back in the day, but not in the Premier League for sure. No, no, definitely and not in the Premier I, League. I, 
I don't think we've beaten City in the Premier League. It it would be tough. It would be tough to say because when we were in there first, when the Premier League started, City was not the city we know now. And right. then when we came back up in 20, 2007, they weren't the city. They still weren't the city we know now. So I don't know if we beat them that season, I think. But they were on the cusp of getting all that oil money in there. And then recently we haven't beat them since we've been back. I don't think we've ever beaten Manchester City in the Premier League. So nope. this is going to be... A crazy game if we do come out on top. Let's hope for it, but let's be mindful of the fact that they are top of the Premier League at this point. It's going to be a good game, I think. It'll be fun to watch for sure, but there are more important games ahead, as you mentioned, especially that one coming up against West Bromwich Albion. We have got a game against Fulham shortly after that. So an important run of games coming up. I, as I said previously, the next 10 are going to be the determining factor as to whether we have a chance at making the greatest of escapes of all time to this point in Premier League history. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and one last thing. I forgot to mention this when we did our review Chris Wilder, after his in his post match press conference, I think it was on Sky, the match was on Sky. They talked to him, and what really made me so excited is when he said, "How are you and the boys going to celebrate?" And he said, "I just left the changing room, and the boys are jumping around like they just won the FA Cup or we just got promoted or something like that." That simple fact right there, him saying that, made me believe that this team is going to go down with a fight, and this game, this team might take this relegation battle all the way to the final day, man. We're not out of this thing by a mile. You know, we ha we're we only 20 matches into the season. We still have 18 games left. And so anything is possible. As Kevin Garnett said, anything is possible. <laughs> nice reference there, Chad. So I think that's all the time we have for this episode of the Red Half of Sheffield. Hey, Chad, where can the people find you on the social media? They can find me at Blades in the USA on Facebook and Twitter. And if you want to follow just me on Instagram at cjarvis underscore 13. And you can follow me, Noah Snyder, at Nessman930 on both Twitter and Reddit. And you can also follow me on Instagram at SunPuck. Additionally, if you haven't done so already, please give our Facebook page a like. It's at the Red Half of Sheffield. We post Sheffield United content, memes, and other sorts of news and information about the club. Well, until this Saturday when we play top of the league Manchester City, up the blades, Chad. Up the blades. Come on, you red and white wizards.